Hello and welcome to What Are You Frightened For? Season 6, Episode 3. My name is Johnny Suck. I'm Louise Burns. We are the back office. And today we'll be talking to you about some movies we saw at Fantasia in the past week, starting with Freaks. Freaks! Uh, not to be confused with the 1932 Todd Browning black and white amazing film, which did screen at Fantasia a couple years ago. I think that's one of your favorite movies ever. Yes. Judging by how much you talk about it, it's it's up there. It's a nightmare worth seeing. <laughs> uh, this is not a nightmare worth seeing, but it is also a very um, entertaining and well done film called Freaks. It's a Canadian-U.S. production by Adam Stein and Zach Lebowski. Again, like many of the films that we have seen uh, at Fantasia this year, it is a project that is both writer and director, and I believe they probably produced it. They worked with limitations, they, again, being frustrated by how long it takes to get a big-budget film off the ground. They decided that rather than sit around in hopes of one of the other projects coming to life. They would just go ahead, write something that they could do within their own limitations. And as the project developed, um, they got more funding. So many of the films that we've seen started like previous years, it would just be a short or be uh, workshopped at Frontier, a pitch. And now we're seeing the full ready to be commercially released. Yeah, with a movie I'm going to talk about later, Daniel Isn't Real, had a similar story where the writer-director said it took him seven years to get the film made, mm -hmm. and you know, in that time, had to make another much smaller budget film just to show that he could do it to then help get funding for the current project. Yeah, one of the benefits of uh, attending Fantasia is that you get to see these films, and then you get to actually hear from the people who made them. And so you are more attuned to the actual process of what it takes to make these films. And for example, they wrote the script and then they would get friends or actors just to read it out loud and then have a discussion afterwards because in this film oh, there's a lot of loose ends that need to be tied up and it took a while before the multiple layers of narrative kind of resolved in a comprehensive way. So just all that to say that this film is from the perspective of a seven-year-old girl who is in a house living with her father and the house is all boarded up, um, you know, garbage bags on windows and a lot of gaffer tape blocking out all the light and he spend, he's spending a lot of time sort of drilling her on like almost army style on adopting this other persona a different name, a different history, a different what is my favorite color, what is what is my favorite sport. So because she has been since birth living with him and so secluded from the outside world. So why the dual persona? Well, you're seeing this from so this is how the narrative kind of unfolds. You're not really sure and your vehicle for all information is a seven-year-old and so you have to play both sides where you're kind of wondering if what she perceives is correct and he is instilling in her a fear of the outside and a fear that they are uh, people outside are dangerous and that they will do her harm and she accepts it and loves her dad and is trying to obediently fulfill this role but at the same time she's growing older and she's eager to explore other things and 
She is a seven-year-old, so she wants her own way, and largely the big tantalizing of the outdoors is an ice cream truck with Bruce Dern in it, creepily, who, you know, drives up right outside her door, and the ice cream truck has a bubble machine, and there's this music, of course, and so... Who could resist? Who could resist? So you begin to, like, see from her perspective, like, an irritation with his father and a def defiance that starts to occur. So some of the themes on that is, is this, is the father just incredibly paranoid? Does he have a mental illness? Is this fear real? Um, you can feel from his perspective, all the struggles of, of uh, parenting, as in, you know, how do you protect your children? Um, how do you make them not run off out of the street again for, you know, chasing a ball and get run over by a car? Like those kind of, of uh, very real fears and the kind of desire in parents to control their children for safety reasons. So that's a very underlying theme in the film. I'm not going to give a plot, point by point plot description because the a uh, real pleasure in watching this film is the way that different pieces of information unfold and a seemingly uh, small, normal scenario has more and more layers. But just to say that the child has uh, superpowers and that the outside is outside society and is sort of like a witch hunt on these, it, these, these people who have this power and they incarcerate them or they, you know. So it has a, a lot of, it, it, it's referencing contemporary themes such as prejudice and current issues with immigration and Muslims. Um, so it has all of that as another layer. And the other thing that was really uh, interesting about it is that, as they described, it's about superpowers but not about superheroes. So it is very close in some ways to a Marvel series universe. But it's just a child. Yeah, and some adults also have the... They're uh, not fighting crime. Or, yeah. They're not fighting crime. No, not at all. And so there's very relatable kind of domestic themes that what they're talking about. So in other words, it's not trying to find the bad guy or, you know, save the world. It's basically day to day, you know, how do I get ice cream <laughs> is the challenge. And the other thing that was interesting that they mentioned as well is that they also um, kept the cameras uh, low so that you're actually experiencing it from the sort of a, a point of view of a short seven-year-old person. So, so when the dad comes in, he's it, looming above. Yeah, like you're always looking up at Bruce Stern's nose hairs in a grossed out way. And all of this had a, a really great effect in keeping the story from the point of view of someone whom conception of reality is not yet developed. I strongly recommend That's Freaks. And it comes out? Um, I believe it's going to have an American release at the end of the month, and then four months later, I think it will be in uh, theaters in Canada. It's also got a kind of a, a commercially, like it doesn't, it's not, it, it's unusual, but it's not overly dark or weird. So it has accessibility, I guess. It's, I don't know what the right word is for it. It's releasable? Commercial potential. <laughs> it has potential to make some money perhaps perhaps what are you doing someone could have seen you you want the punishment for breaking the rules no dad open the door you almost got us killed you have to stay hidden 
two, one. This is not a game. Did you go outside? No. You can never lie to me. I'm not lying. You want to know what's in an ice cream truck? Frozen kid bodies. Come inside. Taste any flavor you want. All right, the next film we're going to talk about is Daniel Isn't Real, starring Schwarzenegger himself, but not not Arnold, Patrick Schwarzenegger. So I was a little disappointed. Any uh, yeah. Okay. Father son. So I may have been a little disappointed when I show up to the theater ready for uh, the next Terminator movie. But... Daniel Isn't Real and Johnny Was Wrong. <laughs> yeah. Daniel Isn't Real, starring Miles Robbins and Patrick Schwarzenegger. It's a film about control of your mind that has uh, the main character Luke has a imaginary friend as a child and we starts with that but the imaginary friend he gets him in a bit of trouble and his mom forces him to lock up the imaginary friend in the closet that's enough your friend's a bad influence on you I'm sick of hearing about him time to grow out of this time to grow out of this and that's the result of an incident where Luke poisons his mom, and when she asks him, like, why did you do that? He just says, it wasn't me, it was Daniel. Because it was Daniel telling him, yes, take these pills, crush them, I'll put them in your mom's shape. So yeah, the mom says, no, 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 none of this Daniel stuff, lock him up. Fast forward 15 years, Luke is, uh, I'd say early 20s. He's on a trip home. You know, on a break from school, and he feels a, a compulsion to go unlock Daniel, to go open up that closet where he locked Daniel and let him out. You know, searches for the key, opens up, and there's Daniel. You know, now full grown. You know, same character, and you know we see Daniel on the screen. Do they look alike? They don't look alike. They're you know not dissimilar, but clearly not the same. And, you know, where Luke's this, like, kind of dorky 20-year-old Daniel is suave and confident and he's got his hair slicked back and he always knows what to say and knows what to do. And he's just always there with Luke and always in his ear. You know, you're the conscious or the angel and devil on your shoulder. The only problem is Daniel's all devil. And, you know, first, the advice Luke's getting is really great. It's helping him out. He's really liking this Daniel guy, and things are working out for him, following the advice. Then Daniel gets more and more out there, and more and more evil, and is really trying to corrupt Luke. And then the movie descends into a battle for uh, control of Luke's mind and body. He's weak, he's lonely, and he's nothing without me. Daniel isn't going away this time, he's not being locked up this time, now he's out and he, he wants blood. And there's much more to the story, we'll leave it to that, don't want to spoil it. But yeah, the movie was super interesting. You know, everyone has that voice in their head, their conscience, their what if I should, you know, what should I do, should I do this, should I do that? What if I go down this slightly darker path? Because yeah. Daniel is the one encouraging more risk-taking and more uh, bold moves and, yeah. and more, I guess, self-serving. Uh, definitely, mm -hmm. definitely. So sometimes and that's good. Sometimes that stuff's great, but <laughs> it can definitely be taken too far, mm -hmm. and it can definitely drive people away from you depending how you uh, act it out. And yeah, and then Daniel's always there, always talking to Luke, always in the room, 
room with him and just can't get away. And, you know, could be at work, get your job in. Daniel's there saying, you know, flip off your boss and quit. Mm-hmm. Just non-stop for eight hours. Mm-hmm. Five nuts. That didn't actually happen. That felt like your brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the movie descends. It gets a little fantastical. Uh, there's a sword fight scene. Just kind of randomly. And it's sort of super intense. There's some body horror where Luke's face melts and morphs into Daniel's and just things like that and there's super intense intense subject you know mental health but also just the way it's shot and the pacing and what's happening in the film and the director is Adam Mortimer and uh, who also directed some kind of hate that Avantasia a couple years ago and I mentioned earlier, this is a project that was years and years in the making, and some kind of hate was a sort of trial run of making a movie. Nailed it, and went on to this, and this is sort of a proper, you know, fully actualized film. Uh, but this film, and it was produced by Spectre Vision, who produced last year's Amazing Mandy, which is a, a huge hit at Fantasia and elsewhere in the film world. And for anyone who saw Mandy, you know, that movie was pretty nuts <laughs> and Daniel's real you know isn't quite as nuts as that but still firmly in the in the nuts camp mm-hmm. so for anyone who likes just really intense films it's something to see and it's going to be released in December great both of the films um, and perhaps other films um, had that start with everything being normal and then slowly but surely step into the more surreal sci-fi and then also with you know kind of like abandonment kind of go completely Complete uh, bonkers. bonkers it seems to be common that's just good storytelling true <laughs> i agree and though although there was others that we saw too that started began with like the murder or you know started started with the kind of uh what normally you would lead up to as a crescendo, I'm thinking of Dreamland, and um, and then have to roll back and solve it, which is a nice device as well. So that's it. That's it. Fantasia, another awesome year. Yep, thanks for listening, and stay tuned to Wednesday morning after.